0: Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order.
1: Additional terms apply. I mean, no one plans to get sick, and yet, here we are. My name is Matthew Zachary. I survived cancer, a stroke, and COVID-19, and somehow, I'm still here. I also survived our stupid broken healthcare system, and I want to help you survive it too. So let's go make healthcare suck less together. Because you know what? We're all out of patience. Hey, that's the name of the show. Alrighty, friends, welcome back to Out of Patience. A quick reminder before we get started if you like the show, I hope you do. Please consider leaving me a review, a like. A rating? I don't know what's out there these days. I think you have to follow and not subscribe. Or don't. Up to you. Who am I to judge? Anyway, on the show today, I welcome an OG friend of mine from the Young Adult Cancer Salad Days, Lauren Brill. Self-proclaimed, and I also agree with this, baking businesswoman and cookie titan. She became interested in health foods while battling Hodgkin's lymphoma. Getting cancer makes you realize you shouldn't be eating Twinkies. I'm not saying she was eating Twinkies, but you get the point. She couldn't find any store-bought snacks that weren't loaded with crap that might even give you cancer. So anyway, after she recovered, and we're really happy she did, she set out on another life-affirming mission and founded Sweet Lauren's, which specializes in vegan cookie dough. Yes, you heard that right, vegan cookie dough made with all natural ingredients that you can actually pronounce with less syllables. She wanted to prove that you could be good to your own body without giving up the sweet tooth. And for those listeners who have a sweet tooth for cookie dough, prepare yourself. It's a good one. So here to tell us how the cookie crumbles, (laughs) here's Lauren Brill. Enjoy the show. Lauren Brill Castle, my God, a long time coming, CEO and founder of Sweet Lauren's. I'm so excited to reun with you here. Thank you for coming on Out of Patience.
0: Thank you for having me. It has been a minute. Ever ask yourself, how the hell am I still here? I mean, you know, I almost say just pinch me in that I just couldn't predict what's happened every year of my whole life.
1: What are you at now? Like 15 years? Do you lose count? Because that's a good thing to lose count.
0: Exactly. It is a good thing. I'm 15 years cancer free.
1: That was a total stab. I, I didn't do that research. I have like cancer dar. I guess. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, isn't that crazy? Fifteen years seems like forever, but things like that also just feel kind of like last year too.
1: Oh, clearly, except the fact that the young people I speak to and coach these days don't know what life was like before the internet with cancer, which I think was a little better. You know, less people telling you to have green tea, cannabis oil to cure your cancer.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, everyone has their own own fight. Everyone has their own thing. You can't just tell. Everyone to do the same thing.
1: Did you get any of that? Like when you were diagnosed, oh, just do this, just do this, like free advice from people that have no idea what the hell they're talking about?
0: Yeah. So when I was first diagnosed, you know, I did some research of, you know, should I go to a super organic, natural place and try to cure myself through like raw green juices and food? And I looked at that. I talked to obviously a lot of doctors who believed in chemo and treatment as well. And yeah, there were definitely some people that were like, "Oh, who wants like that harsh medicine? in you try to cure yourself naturally." And you know, after doing research, I was like, "The stats are better with doctors." You know, I'm gonna do whatever I can. At 22 years old, which is when I was diagnosed with cancer, I had Hodgkin's lymphoma, and I had stage two. And you know, at 22 years old, I just graduated college. I felt pretty invincible, but that's when I felt like it was just the biggest learning of like you have to be an adult. I don't care what age you know, you're know you diagnosed with anything and you have to become your own doctor and you can't just trust one person on what they say. You, know, you have to really figure out what's right for
1: you. Did you ever interact with Chris Carr? Remember her from the old stupid cancer days? Of
0: course. So when I was diagnosed with cancer for that year going through treatment, I was really strict about what I ate. I, I didn't have any alcohol, barely any sugar. Like I really just ate real fresh whole food and just tried to really take care of myself and eat as nutrient dense foods that just felt really good for me. And the truth is like, I just didn't crave anything really that was kind of hard for your body to break down. But then once I started my company, I started my company, Sweet Lauren's and my first product is all natural cookie dough. And I started using real cane sugar and molasses in the recipes. And it was interesting because a lot of people that I'd get connected to, whether it's like doctors or people that had cancer, like Chris Carr, you know, they're just very anti-dessert or sugar. I haven't seen someone really be able to say, I've been able to build a healthy, balanced life. You don't have to be <laughs> so extreme, you know, and that you can feel your best and be cancer free and incredibly healthy. And you don't have to live a life of like deprivation or extreme circumstance. So starting the company is a little bit polarizing that way. And obviously I feel that health is the most important thing and everyone should do what feels right for them. But I really believe in a full life where you can have moderation and you should eat real food. Your body knows how to digest. That, to me, is like the freedom I'm looking for.
1: Well, the reason I brought that up is I wanted to share a story with you that took place in, I think, 2011. Chris spoke at one of our conferences in New York City, and... She gave her fabulous spiel. I mean, she is inoperable cancer. She had no choice but to do certain things that were the only things she could control, which everyone understood. But the preach to the choir is all about knowing your audience. And she got up on the stage and she talked about how we should be juicing broccoli during chemo. And then one of our other speakers stood up and said, you know what, I'm a social worker. And if my patient is puking all day and they want ice cream, fuck, they're getting ice cream.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I, I, yeah, I, I, you know, we both grew up with foodie families. We kind of have the same origin story in a sense, like just nevishy, loving food people. My dad went to the Culinary Institute of America. You know, food is culture. Food is the way we relate to ourselves and the universe. And yet, you know, you always talk about I'm not a chef, I'm not a chef. But yet you have such culinary instincts inside you.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I've never been a professional chef, someone who is like employed, in a professional chef setting, I did go to a culinary school for a month in New York. And I did take a ton of natural baking classes, but I really feel like I'm self-taught. And so when I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma, I was 22 years old. I just graduated college and I also had been a yoga instructor. So I was ready, like very into connecting with my body, very into health and wellness but I've always been a foodie like you. I grew up in New York City. just my family always celebrated with good food, always had fresh food around. so my doctor just and I loved my doctor. He made me feel really like safe and confident with him, and even though I felt like the youngest person in his office every single time I went, you know everyone else there was just much older going through treatment. I felt like he was amazing, but you know, when I asked him about what else should I be doing besides the chemo and besides the medicine he was giving me, you know, he really was like, just keep your life as same as possible. And I know that he meant just try to keep your life as normal as possible and keep going. Um, you know, I don't want to turn your whole life upside down. Let's try to normalize it. But really like it, that didn't help me because my life was completely changed. All of my friends were going to their jobs I was now living at home and without a job and my main job was just to get healthy and go through treatment every week and you know when i asked him what do i do about exercise meditation the food i eat supplements he really like couldn't tell me and supplements were kind of very taboo you know he just was like you don't want to have too much of something even if it's natural can be very powerful and it can interact with some of the medicine and not enough of that has been really tested too so That was my big aha of like, I have to become my own doctor in a certain way and take control of my life. And my instinct is saying food is everything. Let's keep Lauren's body as healthy and happy as possible so that it can be strong enough to fight this, to handle this intense chemo, to bounce back, to regenerate. And, you know, you're not going to eat food unless it's delicious. So I was like, I want to go to culinary school to learn how to cook delicious. And I'm going to be really strict about what goes into my recipes. You know, I'm just going to cut out anything artificial, highly processed, enriched, refined, bleached flours. Like, just give me whole, real foods. And I really fell in love with it. Like, my body fell in love with it. I just felt so much better. And I really lost a taste for processed packaged food and really empty kind of ingredients.
1: It's like every time I stop eating carbs for a week, I feel better. Duh! Like (laughs) Like, This should not be surprising. I wanted to go back to this uh, documentary that Offscript Media is currently in the process of releasing called The Cancer Mavericks, which is a 50-year history of survivorship. And it starts in the 60s and 70s when everyone just kind of died right away. There was no Mm -hmm. survivorship. There was no long-term, there's no what next, because you just kind of died. And Moving into like the early 2000s was just around the time when the word survivorship became with strong, like upticking. The idea of what you eat with through and beyond cancer wasn't even a thing in 96 with my diagnosis. And I remember the very first time I heard the two words cancer nutritionist in the same sentence. It was so groundbreaking. But you built the consumer ecosystem that we wished we had back then.
0: Yeah, I wish I had it too. And I feel like New York City is such an epicenter that like, if I wasn't finding it easily in New York City, in different parts of the country or world, how is this easily found? One diet everyone would feel better on is clean, natural food. I think we could all agree on that. But some people feel better being vegan. Some people feel better just eating fish. Some people are meat eaters. I mean, you know, different body types, different levels of exercise, different belief systems, whatever it is. I mean, there's not just one diet for everyone, but just clean, real food that's less taxing on your body. And a lot of us just eat food because you're like, yeah, I get hungry. Of course I need to eat. But when your health gets stripped away, you're just like, oh my God, my body is everything. And I look at my body like the food is fuel. So like, it really, really matters what you put in it. And you really have to get connected consciously to your body to understand what feels better? And um, and just find the right balance. So yeah, I, I wish it was available to me. But I think what's even harder is that even if it was, you know, and is now available, you still have to find out what's right for you. Everyone has to do kind of their own soul searching and what feels good for you, what makes you feel your best and what's doable. Uh, You know, so for instance, for me, when I went through that year of treatment, I cut out, you know, all alcohol, all sugar, all refined flour. Like I was extreme. And then when I thankfully, you know, was free of Hodgkin's, I was like, do I want to live my whole life like this?
1: Your food come to your senses.
0: (laughs) Right, exactly. And then you're like, I also know how precious life is, you know, and potentially short. And so I also want to make sure I'm living each day to my fullest. I don't want to go through my whole life feeling like I was so deprived that I was miserable or that I couldn't have a full life or that I couldn't enjoy the things that other people were. And I really, again, had to do my soul searching of like what makes Lauren happy and what made me happiest was eating you know, most of my diet, super fresh, clean vegetables, food, proteins, and high quality sweets. I have a huge sweet tooth. And- The more I just said, like, I don't want to ever satisfy that sweet tooth. Yeah, I could cut it out for a couple of weeks and kind of cleanse. But I have such a craving for dark chocolate. I actually feel better when I have a little sweet in my diet. I just feel better. I feel happier. I have more endorphins. And I just realized for me, like, I want a lifestyle where I never feel like I'm on a diet. I want to feel like I'm in control of living my best life. Um, and I know how to balance it. I don't have to be so extreme because that's not healthy too. You know, if you're so extreme and you don't feel great on that, you know, potentially you just binge and go a complete other way.
1: Well, yeah, we all need our strategic dopamine hits. We're going to take a quick break. We we'll right back after making some money with these ads. So buy some stuff, folks. You chose to go into cookie dough for all the reasons I know. You could have started the broccoli chip company. Was it really just the sweet tooth in you that that couldn't escape?
0: Yeah, that's exactly it. I felt like it was quite easy to make broccoli at home or quinoa at home or fresh salads or whatever foods. It was easy to kind of make those things. Dessert to me was the hardest thing. And I just... I got sick of just eating like dates and dark chocolate and like a handful of almonds. I just was like, I need more than that. And my favorite thing in the world is a warm cookie out of the oven. You know, so kind of out of just this real personal desire. Also, baking, I find, is very therapeutic. It's really like an art form. It's really calming to your nervous system. It's really therapeutic. And you have to follow a sequence of directions and like you know, hopefully if you follow them, you get this beautiful outcome, you know, and it's kind of magical cause whatever you make, then you put into an oven and then like, you know, it totally changes form. So part of my therapy of just mental recovery and, and just kind of nurturing myself and treating myself was baking. And so I just started baking kind of as a hobby. It was easy to do, I was home and I was tired of finding the same baked goods in every single bakery and in every single recipe, especially 15 years ago. You know, if you wanted a sweet treat, everything was made of white refined flour, tons of dairy, butter, potentially artificial colors or dyes and all that. And I just was like, I'm not going to feel good once I eat that. Like the first bite might be yummy, but not going to make me feel good. It's not going to be worth the calories. And I got so passionate about how do I just recreate my favorite dessert, a warm cookie, but using as whole
1: real ingredients as possible. I recently learned the word flavor profile. I know nothing about any of this stuff, but I know that's the term people use. But <laughs> okay. my favorite cookie in the 80s was David's Cookies. David's Cookies were in the mall in the 80s. Do you have a sense of where your taste evolved from a chocolate chip cookie perspective?
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, I grew up in New York City, so we weren't going to malls that much. But Mrs. Fields ah. was in a bunch of locations when I was growing up, and I loved their warm chocolate chip cookies Then I worked at a bakery called Levan Bakery. It's based in New York. It's now expanding other places, but they're kind of known for these huge, big chocolate chip cookies. And so I worked there just in the summers and, you know, when I was kind of home from college to make some money. And I really loved the two women who owned the bakery. And I just saw the way that people would line up for warm cookies Not that their cookie is healthy, but it was so decadent and so delicious. And so you looked forward to it. And then I also remember like always going to friends' homes when they had their grandmothers around and like grandmothers were always making warm chocolate chip cookies. And so I've had every type of cookie out there, whether it was made of Crisco shortening to the butter, you know, to, you know, tiny, small, crispy cookies, big, thick, kind of gooey cookies, the whole gamut. And I guess, I fell in love with making sure the taste was super decadent and real and super flavorful. And so I became a more sophisticated cookie over time.
1: There's a surprising gaggle of young adult cancer survivors who went into the food and or beverage company that doesn't have bad shit in the stuff we're making because I wished there was no bad shit in the stuff at the time I was sick. When did it actually dawn on you that this was going to be a real thing?
0: So there was a couple aha moments. My first aha moment was when thankfully I got the clear from my doctor and he was like, you're cured now, you're in remission, you're cancer free, you're going to be great. Go live in the world, put this in the past, move on. And I realized that was really quite hard. You know, it was hard for me to just put on like a suit and go into, you know, some corporate interview to become like an investment banker or something. Like I just had such deep priorities and looked at the world really differently. I was like, I'm going to make sure I have no regrets and live my life fully each day. So if something doesn't feel right, I'm not going to make myself do it. So I tried to enter the workforce. Now I was 23 years old and get kind of a normal job. And I couldn't, I was so unemployable. I just didn't fit a mold, you know? So that was a big aha. And then I started managing this restaurant and the owner of the restaurant was just not inspiring. And I didn't like the way he treated his employees. And it just got to a point one day where I was like, I will do anything. I will work as hard as I need to, to never have to work for someone else for the rest of my life. I have to figure out how to do it myself. I don't care how much hard work it takes. Then secondly, you know, I I was always baking for a hobby. And when I kept going down the road of trying to get all these different jobs in PR, in the food industry, and wine, in finance, and I just wasn't happy, you know, they kind of all led back to doing something entrepreneurially. And so I entered a baking contest and I won that baking contest. And the judge who was a really big deal pastry chef in New York came up to me and was like, you need to do something with this. And I swear just something clicked in my brain where I was like, okay, I don't know why I needed that validation from someone outside of family and friends, but I did. And I dove in headfirst and figured out everything about the food industry on my own you know, when you're just a normal consumer and you go into a supermarket and you're buying your groceries, you have really no clue most of the time where food comes from.
1: Right. It's but just once you there, start, neatly packaged up and pretty pretty. Yeah, boxes. you're like, this is
0: beautiful. <laughs> this is so easy. You just you just sell into a supermarket, it gets on the shelf. How hard could it be? Right. But then you start to like really unwrap it and you realize how incredibly hard the food industry is there's only a handful of global conglomerate food companies that basically make 95 percent of the food that's on shelves and because they're multi-billion dollar businesses they can put pricing so competitive they can buy at such larger scale like they're just behemoths and so that's why it's really hard for small brands to really enter plus these companies have been around for decades you know so it just takes a long time to build a brand
1: so I have a softball loaded question in a sense and sure. you can answer this probably pretty quickly. Having gone through cancer at such a young age tends to accelerate and mature you more than people your age and your peers. Do you assume perhaps that that came in handy with regard to your precociousness and I'm going to just get the shit done?
0: Absolutely. It's a it's a really good point you make. You know, at the time I don't know if I even realized that, but I think, you know, once I'd been through cancer and and then unfortunately, a couple of years later, my mom passed away from cancer. She had CLL, a chronic leukemia. So between me and seeing my mom, I just, you know, I feel like I just had been through the hardest things in life. And so, you know, everything else just seemed maybe like a lot of hard work, but easy when it comes down to it. And I also felt like life is really precious and nothing is promised. And so- if that's what I know about life at an early age, then I'm going to do everything I can in my power to build my dream life because I'm not going to expect someone else to build it for me. That will never happen. And I also felt like I just, I had something to share with the world. I poured my heart and soul into making these recipes, making cookies and cookie dough taste so delicious, but having to be made of really natural ingredients. And when I would start to share it with family and friends, totally not expecting a reaction just sharing them because when you bake you make a lot of cookies you got to get other people to eat them when i would see over and over again the wow factor that other people had when they tried it the oh my god i can't believe this doesn't exist like of course i would buy this if it was on a supermarket shelf next to the processed big guys right. i would absolutely want this in my body i'd want to feed my children this you have to make this available to everyone when i would see that over and over again, it got to the point where I was like, I have something so powerful to share and maybe it's gonna take a ton of hard work and maybe it's really risky. And what's the worst case scenario? I fail and like get a different job, but why not give it all I have and try to make a big difference in the world and build my own dream life and never have a bad boss again. And feel like I turned all this negative crap that happened to me, into something incredibly positive. 100%. Yeah, that's the only way it would be okay. Mm.
1: I feel like we've arrived as consumers to an extent that we're so aware of, if I'm looking at this product versus that product, and this product has 75 syllables in the first three ingredients, and this one says six things, I may be more likely to pick the one that has less syllables.
0: I agree with you. I think there's a lot of people that now read labels. I think there's also a lot of people that, still feel like they're gonna just buy whatever's convenient and tastes good and their kids like and their family likes and they don't know necessarily what's cancer causing or not or just what's going to make you sick you know it's not just cancer it's just not feeling well it's diabetes it's obesity just processed bad food causes a lot of things you know and once you start kind of eating clean you realize how much better
1: you feel. All right, so I'm going to be your publicist for a second, then a lightning round, and you're going to love this. Cool, Sweet Lauren's, my God, uh, fastest growing private company in the US, I think that was 2015. You were one of the female founders, 100 in 2018, 2021 Women in Business to Watch Award. If you want to indulge and everything in moderation, this is the product. I've had it. I'm a (laughs) Kool-Aid card carrying member of the product. It's good stuff. It's in your supermarkets. But here's your lightning round. Here's your lightning round. I have nine cooking idioms that I'm sure you're sick of hearing. All right. Okay. Try to name all nine. What are the worst dad joke cooking idioms you know? I'll give you one. That's how the cooking crumbles.
0: Yeah. 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 That's a good one. Um, These are hard. I mean, that's probably the most obvious one. Um,
1: How about your, all of your ideas are half baked.
0: (laughs) That's a good one.
1: too. Simmer down. Don't stir the pot. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you could whip something up from scratch, and just cook up a storm These are good. while grilling someone and turning up the heat. These are all good. Yeah, and just and I don't be careful. Really not.
0: talks like this, but they're good. Yeah,
1: and, and and just be careful not to cook your books because the IRS is looking.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right, that They'll was the good. worst dad joke ever <laughs> attempted on my show. But I am just so thrilled to have you on the show. It's such a success story. The happy accidents become the happy advocates, the unexpected people that do great things. And I commend you for all your success.
0: Thank you so much. I so appreciate that. And I hope it's just a lesson out there for anyone that's gone through cancer or some other huge hardship. Don't let that define you. Turn it into a positive. I just want to inspire as many people to do that and to live a really happy, fulfilled life. Any way that I can help make people feel healthier, be happier, feel better that's our goal for sweet Lauren's. so you can find sweet lauren's cookie dough in the refrigerated dough section of your local supermarket you can check us out online at sweet L-O-R-E-N-S.com. we can ship direct to your home or you can put in your zip code and find
1: where we're sold lauren brill castle ceo and founder of sweet lauren's 15 year cancer survivor thank you you are awesome
0: thanks so much for having me i'm so glad you're well
1: That's all for today, folks. If you like today's show, be sure to subscribe, leave a review, follow us on social, and tell all your friends to listen. Out of Patience with Matthew Zachary is a product of Offscript Media. Our executive producer is Matthew Zachary. Our senior producers are Brianna Seeley, Jen Orangia, and Andrew McDowell. It is mixed and edited by
2: Brianna Seeley. Our theme music is by the Mike Van Allen Quintet and by Mara. For advertising and media inquiries, email media at offscript.com.
1: Hit us up at contact at offscript.com to share comments, feedback, and make recommendations. For more information, visit offscript.com.